0: It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. We get up every morning for
1: salutations on this hump day edition of sports 56 mornings. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with him. Officially the Wednesday, February 21st, 2024 edition. We're broadcasting live and in color from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Their floor model sale continues great deals on Whatever's out there on the floor, and you're talking about wicker sofa sets, patio furniture, pool tables, theater seating, hot tubs, all types of great stuff at Family Leisure, 2120 Witten Road. That is just north of I-40. And the first hour of the program is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware. Currently 46 degrees on the way up to 73 today. We do have some partly cloudy skies this morning and then mostly cloudy during the afternoon. But no rain in the forecast. So very minimal, 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 minimal chance of rain today. But the rain is coming for tomorrow. But 73 degrees on February 21st. You'll take that any, any time of the year, 73 degrees. 58 tonight for a low, which is not too shabby. And then, as I mentioned, tomorrow, the rain rolls in about a 70% chance, but a high temperature of 69 degrees. Coming up on the program today, we'll talk plenty of college basketball. Number one goes down last night. In the meantime, big games tonight, including a big one for Ole Miss and Mississippi State in Starkville. The Memphis Tigers back on the floor tonight. What changes will we see from Penny Hardaway as the Tigers take on Charlotte at FedEx Forum? We will talk about the big news yesterday from the college football playoff, but the news that was expected as the 5-7 and seven model has been voted in. We'll tell you what that all means. Also, 8.05 Andy Borman, Tigers assistant basketball coach. Jerry Palm at 8.25 on his latest Bracketology. And to Michael Cole at 9.05 on the Grizzlies. The NBA gets going again tomorrow night with a Bunch of games, 12 games, in fact, tomorrow night. But the Grizzlies will not play until Friday. They return to action as they will host the Los Angeles Clippers. What may they do in the latter part of this season as far as the injured, the walking wounded? Saw some video from Brandon Clark, who was down in the Turks and Caicos Islands with Jaron Jackson Jr. And he looked pretty good playing some basketball as those guys continued to Enjoy a little vacation and workout before getting back to work, I assume, today. So that is the lineup. You can hit us up on the Sports 56 listener lines at 901-360-8255. You can call in or you can text into the show. Good morning. Good morning. What's going on? What's happening?
2: Man, I'll tell you what. I don't know if it was um, <clears throat> the Daytona 500, maybe, that, uh, that, that inspired people, but this morning on the highways was, uh, no, normally every morning there's at least one of the people who's flying like 100 and, 100 mile an hour and just weaving through traffic, all that. Today, there was like six of them that I got passed by. I don't know. I think maybe, maybe there was a little mini Daytona 500 going on on 240 today. I don't know. It was, but they were, they were coming from everywhere today. Like every time I turn around, like there's a there couple another car flying past me, weaving through three traffic, three lanes of traffic, and I, they just kept coming one after another. And I don't know. I don't know what was happening today, but it's a, it's 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 the Autobahn out there.
1: It's interesting you bring that up because that happens every day on 240, and on 40. But this morning when I was driving in, now I'm not going on 240 to work. I'm going down Poplar Avenue, and I get to Poplar and 240 and you have cars merging in, kind of where Edwin Watts is, and then you have a few lanes. So the dude merges in from the right, right in front of me cuts across... In front of me cuts across two lanes all the way to where you kind of tuck in to go to the Hilton, the Ridgeway, Mm -hmm. four and all that, just right across four lanes. I was like, geez, are you kidding me? If I wasn't already... (laughs) Waking up or awoke, I certainly was after that, as that dude almost caused an accident. But yeah, two forty and and forty, but two forty mainly. Who it is Autobahn all the time. So Lisa woke you up as well.
2: Got to be it, head's got to be on a swivel, doesn't it? It's yeah. You, I mean, it's well, well that plus you're dealing with potholes and everything else out there. It's 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 a, it's a world out there. <laughs> it, it is a. A challenge, uh, no doubt about it. All right,
1: so uh, college football news yesterday. Again, not unexpected with the demise of the Pac-12. And I'm still <laughs> baffled by the the Pac-12, Pac-2 thing. I, I understand Washington State and Oregon State wanting to continue to, to, to fly the flag of the Pac-12 because of the financial gain. It's still... A name out there. I, I I don't I don't understand the whole deal with the future and them talking about you know picking up the Mountain West teams. Why the Mountain West would leave. I I, I don't know. But who was it? Schultz? Is that the guy's name? The president of Washington State? I think his last name Schultz. I
2: think that might be right. Yeah. I
1: think he was the guy that you know people thought maybe he would be holding up the vote to change the model from the six six model to the five seven model. Because again, they are the odd conference out. Now that there's just the two teams, they're not going to have a conference champion uh, that would get into the playoff. Now those two teams individually, if they have great years, still can get in, obviously as at larges. But they thought maybe he'd hold up the vote, and he said, "No, that's not that's not my intention. I just want to make sure that we we're financially set, and you know we're we're make, trying to still keep autonomy, which is amazing. But I, I, obviously, they're still trying to do that."
2: I love the Pac-12. By the way, hiring a new commissioner.
1: I was just going to get to that. That,
2: that I, I think that's that. I mean, that's that's just what a wonderful job. What a hey, you want to take over? I mean, that's basically like taking over the pilot of a plane that's already crashed. <laughs> like you're on the ground, and hey, you want to take it from here? Yeah, I got it. I got it. I'm good. Yeah, well, we're we're good. I'll take over. You know how the commissioner always has to pay,
1: you know, visits to the schools periodically throughout the year. You're dealing with 12 or 14 or 16 schools. You may get to that one school just the one time. Maybe you'll get to a couple schools multiple times. In this case with this um this woman who was hired as the commissioner like, let, me, let me check out uh, my itinerary for my trips to uh, Washington State and Oregon State. And then um, in a couple of weeks, I'll go to Washington State and Oregon State. I'll follow that up by going to Oregon State and then Washington State. Yeah, you know, I know. Just I, a visit make sure everything's all right.
2: What, what a job. Just, you're the commissioner of a conference that doesn't really exist. This is, I mean, that's gold mine of a job. Do you need a league office? Just have a home in. Oregon State's in what?
1: Corvallis, and then Washington State is in where? Spokane.
2: Well, uh, Washington State is in uh, Pullman. Oh, it's Pullman. Isn't yeah, it...
1: you might be right. So have a home in Pullman, have a home in Corvallis. You don't need an office, for goodness' sakes.
2: She could do it out of her garage. But <laughs> like, what she got? Get she doing? Like don't I don't just saying she's going to visit multiple times. Like, I don't times know like, what that's... she's going to do. Like you're, I, you're the commissioner of a conference that doesn't exist. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But anyway,
1: Schultz, I was talking about, I believe the Washington State president, did not hold up the vote. He voted for it. Has to be unanimous. It was unanimous. So now the 5-7 and model comes into play as they change from the 6-6 and for the start of the 12-team playoff in 2024, this fall. So here's what it is in a nutshell, if you're still a little confused by it. It's the five highest-ranked conference champions. The five highest-ranked conference champions get in. But only the top four, right, are going to get a buy. Right? Do they get a buy? The top four? They get a buy. So that fifth team, which, again, the thought is that fifth one will be from the group of five because the Pac-12 is basically dissolved. So you have the four. They get buys. They are the top four seeds. And then you will have a group of five representative. There's your five. The other seven, to make up the 12-team playoff, are all at-large teams. Now, as far as Notre Dame is concerned, because they don't play in a conference, and I like the fact that they are penalized in the fact that they cannot be a top-four seed. They can't be a conference champion because they don't play in a conference. So, Notre Dame, the highest they can be, would be a fifth seed. And that's pretty much it. That's it in a nutshell.
2: Yeah, this is and this is only for the next two years um there are still they are still meeting and they are still trying to figure out all of the things um as far as the playoff is concerned going forward after the next two years
1: that's because the contract ends in two years
2: yeah there's still a lot you know and there is a lot of questions the the I mean I think the the five and seven is probably going to remain although there's talk of uh, Tony Petiti from the Big Ten talking about maybe looking at going back, going to 16. There's all kinds of, there's questions of whether the SEC and the Big Ten with their new coalition or whatever you call it, um, what they may want to try and do in the new contract. They may want more money than the other conferences because the revenue distribution still has to be decided um, for everything after the next two years, you know what happens with the Pac-12 again. Washington State and Oregon State are trying to get equal shares, money-wise, in that new deal as well. ESPN has agreed on an extension for the new thing, although they have it hasn't been accepted because they got to get all the stuff figured out. ESPN says that they are, you know, they're, you know, they, there's a thought that ESPN could pull that offer if the college football playoff people can't get this figured out here you know relatively soon i think there's more meetings today on this stuff but um yeah there, there's still a lot to figure out for the future down the road that needs to be done but you know this at least is in place for two years and then we'll get to see from there what happens
1: yeah when you were and when you were off they had, had announced the deal and it was a premature announcement as the deal is not done yet so yes there are a lot of question marks, they'll use these next two years, the first two years of the 12-team playoff, assuming that that continues. I mean, I don't think you're going back, but they could be adding, as Petiti said, but they'll use these two years kind of as the dress rehearsal, if you will, for what the future will be like. But I think that when negotiations begin, and they're already obviously starting to churn, It's, it's only two years away, I think that if there is going to be this drastic split by the Big Ten and the SEC, which I'm still a little suspect that that will happen. It's not out of the realm of possibility, and I wouldn't be totally shocked if it did happen. But I would think that it would happen in time for the New Deal. I don't think we're looking at something way down the road. I think if it's going to happen, it's going to happen when that New Deal comes in. But I don't believe it will. As far as the increase in playoff teams, I can live with four more. I can. You go to 16. You don't want these college teams that go the distance having to play a damn NFL schedule. You don't want them playing. You already got them playing in a lot more games, uh, even though the top four will get byes. Teams that don't get buys to win the national championship, what would that be, Eli, 17 games? If you play 12 regular season, a conference championship, you'd have to win four? Mm -hmm. That's 17 games. That's the NFL schedule. So it is already an NFL schedule, not for every school, not for every team. But you're going to add another round or just take away the first round buys from the top four seeds if you add more playoff teams, if you want to add them, okay, that's it. 16, let's not go crazy. If it stays at 12, I'm great with that. I was for the the increase from four to 12. I would have taken, I would have accepted the increase to eight. I just, I needed more playoff teams than just the four. Now, college basketball, that's a whole different story. And now you've had Mike Krzyzewski, the retired Duke coach, coming out and saying he'd like to see expansion. I mean, people that have been in the game, and have coached at the highest level or have played at the highest level coming out and giving us their opinion about an increase in NCAA tournament teams. I mean, right now you look at the prospects for this year and some of these teams are marginal that are on the bubble. I mean, for goodness sakes, Michigan State lost again last night to Iowa, I believe at home, right? Mm -hmm. They got 10 losses. They're still in the field. So I don't want to see an increase as far as basketball, but an increase to 16 in college football I wouldn't mind that, but I think everything will happen in this next deal, Eli. If the Big Ten and the SEC are truly going to separate themselves, it will happen then.
2: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think they're going to separate now. I think they're going to use that threat as clout to probably get more money for themselves um, out of this new deal where they get to the revenue distribution part of it. Um, you know, but it, it could end up just being more of you're getting based on how many schools I mean schools are in, how far they advance, that's that could be the increased revenue if they do it that kind of NCAA tournament yes. model. Yes. Those two conferences are going to end up getting a lot more money anyway, because they're gonna have more schools in and in all likelihood more schools advancing um, than the other conferences. So that might be the way that they end up getting their more money anyway. Um, rather than it just being up front that, hey, these two are getting more money. But it might also just be up front, like, these two are getting more money because they are the two conferences, again, who have the most power and in negotiations can, can hold that over people's heads.
1: Yes, and there's no denying that they have the most power, but I think what you said first is the way it should go because it doesn't ruffle the feathers. I mean, they're making it seem like the Big 12 and the ACC are absolutely nothing. I mean, this isn't the Pac-12 with two teams. They're still formidable conferences. No question the SEC and the Big Ten rule the roost. But if you come out and say that you're getting this much and you're getting this much, and then the other two are getting less before you even divide by the amount of teams from your conference that get in, I think that's ridiculous. I think that will cause a complete upheaval of everything that's going on. And who knows? Maybe maybe the SEC and the Big Ten want that. But I think that's, that's a ridiculous way to go. The way you reward them is by what you said, by the amount of teams that make it into the college football playoff like they do the NCAA. I think that's the way to go.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, that seems the most logical. But again, the SEC and the Big Ten wield power, and they, they have the threat they can— they have the ability to threaten of hey, listen, we can go do it on our own if you all want us to. So those other conferences, everybody's at their mercy. Like they, they are people are the other conferences are at the mercy of those two conferences.
1: If that truly happens,
2: and it may, if that truly
1: happens, then do you believe we will get a quicker resolution to whether or not there's going to be further expansion with those with those legs? And that we'll see even though I know the ACC is a whole problem in of itself with their, with their deal that they have currently. But do you think you'll see some of those teams trying to get to the big 10 and the SEC to have those 20 team mega leagues?
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Because that, if if the, if the SEC and big 10 did that, like you have to be in there, like you're otherwise you are now demoted to basically group of five status of what we have currently now. And they don't, yeah, it's going to be a mad scramble of trying to get in, get, we, you want all of those teams have been at that highest level for a long time now. They want to, and they don't want to give that up. Now, obviously, there are going to be a lot of them that would be left out, but they're going to be scrambling to try and maintain status in those at the highest level.
1: No, no, you're absolutely right. All right, let's take a quick timeout. When we come back, we turn our attention to basketball. The Tigers back in action tonight. Last night in college basketball, more upsets. We'll go over that as well. Your calls and texts are welcome at 901-360-8255. Just getting underway here on a Monday.
2: Monday. On a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> please. Are you trying to I, go backwards, man? I don't really know what day it is having come back from Hawaii, but please don't tell me it's Monday. I can swear it's not Monday. I know I was here yesterday, so please don't tell me it's oh, Monday.
1: On yeah. a Wednesday, for goodness sakes, this is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.
0: You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com but you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on twitter facebook youtube and twitch Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy.
2: Got a text. The the best Notre Dame would be able to do would be the sixth seed because of the five conference champions getting the top five. No, no. The top four are guaranteed of the top four seeds. The fifth conference champion is guaranteed nothing but a spot in the playoffs.
1: In other words, more than likely, the group of five team that has the best ranking from the college football playoff committee and is a conference champion, they'll get in and they'll be the 12th seed. That's more than likely what's going to happen. Notre Dame, the highest they can go is the five. Only the top four, which you would imagine is going to be the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the ACC. Unless a group of five has this unbelievable year where they're playing a strong, non-conference schedule, winning all those games, going undefeated, and even with that, they may not make it. There's no more Pac-12 involved in this whole equation. That's why they changed it from a 6-6 to a 5-7.
2: The year Cincinnati went to the playoff, they would have been in this format, they would have been a top-four seed. They would have got one of the the first-round buys and been a top-four seed.
1: But Tulane, last year, not undefeated, I think, they were, were they the highest? No, Liberty. Liberty was the highest, right? Mm-hmm. Liberty would have been, what, a 12? Yeah. there would have been a 12. And that's what it normally will be, unless you have this unbelievable, unbeaten run from a group of five champion that is ranked the highest. Okay, college basketball last night. Not that it's surprising to anybody, but it was never more evident last night then while watching college basketball, to me, shooting is a priority. And three-point shooting is the biggest priority for teams, or it should be for teams. You want athletes. You want physicality. You need all that. You want defensive-minded teams as well, defensive-minded players. But you need shooters, and you need multiple shooters. And last night we saw Creighton and we saw BYU just blaze the nets with your ability to shoot the rock from the outside. Creighton shocking Connecticut 85-66 UConn on Monday was a unanimous number one but a number one falls again and this could have effects as far as Connecticut being the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. I think UConn unless they fall flat on their face will be a number one seed but will they be the number one overall seed? Creighton gets them by 19 Team points. Of course, we have the local connections with Derek Kellogg and Ryan Miller, uh, both assistant coaches. They do a very good job, and that team's a fun team to watch. When they're shooting threes, as they proved last night, they can beat anybody.
2: Yeah, I mean, Creighton is, you know, coming into the season. I can't remember where they were ranked, but I think they were top 10. I mean, that, that's just a yeah. team that is legit final four type team. I yeah. mean, they brought back. Mostly everybody from last year. They added the transfer kid from Utah State who was really good last night. Um, and I should say well, making three. With is not Shireman, with uh, Colt Brenner. I mean, they've got size. They've got unbelievable ability to shoot.
1: Is Mike's kid even playing much?
2: He started every game. I mean, I mean, <laughs> is
1: he is he a big factor?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, he doesn't shoot a ton. He's shooting like forty five percent from three point range. <laughs> not a surprise. He uh, he's averaged I think like. Eight points a game, something like is that. Is that when
1: Maverick or Mason? Uh, Mason. Mason. Okay.
2: Um, but I mean that, that Creighton team is really, really good. And I mean, a lot of people. There was a lot of people that thought they would beat UConn last night. That UConn was kind of walking into a. That was kind of walking into a trap. Did they really? Uh, oh yeah. I mean, UConn was favored by like two, I think. But but there was a lot of people all over Creighton just figuring um, that was kind of a trap they were walking into on the road.
1: But they destroyed them. And yeah, It wasn't I mean, like they just beat them, nipped them in yeah, the buzzer. They,
2: I mean, UConn played poorly. I mean, UConn made, what, three threes? And Creighton made, whatever, 14 or whatever. I mean, yeah. you can't, can't overcome that type stuff. Um, I found Dan Hurley's comments afterwards very interesting. He said, quote, we did a bad job coaching. Players did a bad job playing. I did a bad job coaching. Interesting. Share the blame. Share the blame. A lot
1: of blame to go around. When you have a game like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's just, it's a bad performance. They, they're, we've seen it all year long. I mean, top 10 teams have been terrible on the road against, on ranked opponents going on the road against a ranked opponent. Like that's, that's certainly a, it's a very forgivable loss for UConn. Connecticut does a lot of things extremely well. One thing they're
1: not great at is defending the perimeter, defending the three point shot. That's where they're vulnerable. And last night we saw that come out when they played a team that could shoot the rock that well. Also last night, number 11 Baylor goes down. Now they played on the road, hostile environment in Provo against a ranked team BYU 25th this week. BYU gets Baylor 78 to 71. That Big 12 every single time there is a game it is going to be a competitive game. I don't care who it is that's playing. And the new teams that came from the American and BYU, they've added to it.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, BYU's been really, really good. And it's been, again, that conference, just like so many others, is when you go on the road, it's really difficult. But that, I mean, the, the Big 12, other than West Virginia and Oklahoma State, um, Every team's in the top, whatever it was, top seventy. I don't know if they still are. I'd have to double check in Ken Palm's rankings. I mean, there is no <laughs> there there aren't many nights off in the Big Twelve. You especially when you go on the road, you're probably playing a ranked team or pretty close to a ranked team on the road. It's it's gonna be difficult.
1: Well, they're not ranked anymore, but Texas AM was a Favorite, I'm not sure how many points, but certainly I would imagine a prohibitive favorite over Arkansas, the struggles for the Razorbacks. A&M playing in College Station, facing Arkansas last night, and Arkansas goes in there and wins. It's just been amazing this year as far as non-ranked teams beating ranked teams, but this was a Texas A&M team that at one time was ranked. They were not ranked last night, but Arkansas gets a win, 78-71. That is a crippling loss for Buzz Williams and Texas Am
2: yeah that that one's costly um they have a weird resume, resume. yeah that's their fourth quad three loss, which I mean when you're talking about bubble teams I, I don't know how many others have four quad three losses um, you know they've got six quad one wins. Um, I think yes, they're six and five in Quad One, but they're two and four in Quad Three. So there, that is a like that that, that is one that trying to figure out that resume is is a little puzzling and how you uh, try and figure out how to to do those. The Big Twelve, by the way, um, in the net they have. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They have ten in the top forty of the net. Really? I mean, that's Houston, Houston's one, Iowa State's eight, BYU's eleven, Baylor's thirteen, Kansas is seventeen, Texas Tech's twenty seven, TCU's thirty seven, Texas is thirty eight, Cincinnati's thirty nine, Oklahoma's forty. It's amazing. And then you, then you drop off to UCF at 73. Then you got Kansas State, 81. And then Oklahoma State and West Virginia are the two bad teams in that conference. But I mean, that's like that. And if you look at Ken Palm, they have uh, all of, 12 of the 14 are in the top 72. And 10 of them, again, are in the top 37. In the Ken Palm rankings, Kansas State goes or UCF seventy one, Kansas State seventy two in that. So I mean that that conference is brutal every single night. But even those
1: two teams at the bottom, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, they've had a couple of upset wins. It's it's anything's possible on any given night in the Big Twelve. It is a very very competitive conference. Now, also last night there weren't a lot of top twenty five games, but San Diego State number nineteen, Final Four team last year. They lose at Utah State, 68-63. Texas Tech, 23rd ranked. They win, but barely, speaking of the Big 12, beating Texas Christian, 82-81. St. Mary's out in the West Coast Conference, who've had a good year, slide by San Francisco, 70-66. to St. Mary's 18th ranked. So last night, not a ton of games, but a lot of impactful games. And a lot of surprises. And then you had Tennessee for a while there. That game was so ugly to start. Tennessee and Missouri couldn't find the ocean from the pier. And then Tennessee started to get it going. And they win, not convincingly, but all they have to do is win. And they did. And they beat Missouri 72-67. Dalton Connect, who had a terrible first half, as did all the Vols, ends up going for 17-10. and So he puts up a double-double as Tennessee gets the win.
2: Yeah, that um, that was not pretty. I still can't. It, it it blows my mind that Missouri has not won an SEC game. That um, I I don't. I, I did not see that coming at all. Like I I didn't. I thought they would be a like middle of the pack SEC team. Never in a million years would I thought they would be threatening to go winless in conference play.
1: Well, let's go back to November. I was on the road with the football team, the Tigers football team. I believe we were in Charlotte, and we're watching that Memphis-Missouri game. And it went back and forth, back and forth, and then Memphis took over at the end and wins. And you thought, wow, what an unbelievably huge win for the Memphis Tigers over the Missouri Tigers. Road win against an SEC opponent, that's big. And then Missouri has just been crap. the
2: entire. Yeah, I thought at the time, I thought that would be a quad one win throughout the year, and Missouri just cannot. And they keep playing, you know, they they led Ole Miss by double digits, I believe, in the second half. I know they were at least up yes. nine. I think they yes. got up t- ten in the second half of that game. You know, they lead at halftime last night. They can't finish. They can't close out games, but they just, I don't know. Like, it's just bizarre to see that team winless in the SEC.
1: Tonight in the SEC, Florida and Alabama, two ranked teams, in Tuscaloosa, Georgia Vandy, Kentucky – Goes to LSU, coming off the big win over Auburn, where they looked really good. Looks like they found their ways now. Maybe it took that win over Ole Miss to get them back on track after they had lost three straight at Rupp. And speaking of Ole Miss, Ole Miss 19-6 and overall, Mississippi State 17-8 and overall. Huge game at the hump in Starkville. Mississippi State 7.5-point favorites. 7.5-point favorites over Ole Miss.
2: Yeah, they played a great game in Oxford uh, with Ole Miss pulling out. That. that was one. Of, that was a fantastic game uh, there. Ole Miss could use quality wins, um, and th- this is certainly an opportunity to pick up a a road win um, that would be a quality win for them. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of opportunities remaining for them, and and they can use every one they can get. So tonight would be big if they could get the sweep of the season series over Mississippi State. That would be huge for them. Um, you know, Ole Miss doesn't have great wins, but they don't have any bad losses either. They have no quad three losses, no quad four losses. Um, they're fifteen and zero in those, but they only have three quad one wins and only one quad two win. So. Um, while Ole Miss doesn't have the great wins, they don't have any bad losses. I don't know how that will, you know, again, you you compare them to a team like Texas A&M, who has the six quad one wins, but then has four quad three losses. I have no idea, you know, how the committee compares two teams like that. Now, in that direct comparison, Ole Miss won at Texas A&M, so certainly they got the, you'd think they have the leg up there, but just by general, like teams without good wins, but no bad losses versus teams with a bunch of good wins, but some bad losses, how they weigh that is I have no idea. As Jerry Palm always says, and Jerry will join us at
1: 825, what they do in conference, these teams, really doesn't matter. But if you look at the SEC, the top six, even though there's still time, there's enough games that things could change, but it looks like the top six are set, not in this particular order necessarily, but Alabama, Tennessee, Auburn, South Carolina, Florida, Kentucky. But again, Ole Miss or Mississippi State, Whoever wins tonight goes to seven and six. So they're right now sitting in a tie, in a tie for seventh. Basically, what Memphis is, what's happening to Memphis in the American is happening with Ole Miss and Mississippi State in the SEC, and then Texas A&M right behind at six and seven, followed by LSU at five and seven in the American Conference tonight. Aside from the Tigers game, which we'll talk about here in just a moment, you have Rice at UAB, you have. USF with their 11-game conference winning streak at UTSA. You have Tulsa at Wichita State. That one's a meaningless game, but the other two are extremely important. USF and UAB. UAB still has to come to Memphis to play the Tigers. The Tigers, as I said, are in a similar situation to Ole Miss in their conference, but that's the SEC. This is the American conference, and the Tigers, where they are, is just shocking That they are that far down in the standings, tied right now one, two, three, four, five, tied for sixth with both North Texas, who they lost to, and East Carolina, who they still have to play. So tonight, the Tigers trying to find answers 18 and eight, seven and six, losers of six of their last nine against a Charlotte team that has been a real surprise in the league. 17 and 8, 11 and 2, and they nearly beat USF down there, correct? Wasn't that a close uh, one against South uh, Florida yeah, that South Florida think came back so, and won? I
2: can't remember. I
1: might be wrong about that, but they were picked 13th in the conference. There's 14 teams. Charlotte was picked 13th, and here they are at 11 and 2 as they come into Memphis tonight to take on the Tigers. 7 p.m., 7.02 is the actual tip on ESPN. Penny has talked about. You know, playing the guys that really care, that give a damn, I'll be interested to see not only changes in the starting lineup, presuming there will be, but then what does he do with those players? Does he pull them right out and bring the other guys in, who he has apparently soured on a bit as far as not their ability to play the game, but their ability to play the game the way he needs them to play, more team-oriented? This is this is the game now that, after all the negativity, and understandably so, and then Penny talking about you know being the target, and then also uh, discussing his team's practice on Monday being one of the best practices they've had all season long. How do they turn that around? Do they come out tonight and play like we saw in the beginning of the year, inspired basketball? With the changes, come out there and beat a really good Charlotte team. And it's, again, it's still amazing. I'm talking about Memphis maybe having a chance to win at home against Charlotte. But it is what it is. Or do we see the same old, the same old, and then he starts to? I wouldn't
2: be throwing on really good with the Charlotte
1: in the conference.
2: In the conference, okay. they're really good. Yeah,
1: no, no. no yeah. Overall, remember, none of these teams other than Florida Atlantic, overall, and Florida Atlantic has their own issues. But none of them are really good. Yeah, when I say that, I mean in the conference. and or will we see again this team stagger out to start the game, even if changes are made, and then Penny start to go boom, 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 right back to the bench? What will we see tonight? Can they can it be something that he's ignited under their tails for the rest of this season, from the practices they've had, from the discussions that they've had? probably some come-to-Jesus meetings, or is it over and we won't see anything different in this game?
2: The um, On paper, Charlotte would appear to be a pretty good matchup for the Tigers because Charlotte is a bad offensive rebounding team, which the Tigers, that's one of their big weaknesses. They give up a bunch of offensive rebounds. Charlotte is a Really bad three-point shooting, team, which we know the Tigers... That means they'll make 15 tonight. uh, Very well could. I mean, the Tigers can turn them into this good one, but they're 290th in the nation in three-point shooting, 261st in the nation in offensive rebounding. They don't force turnovers. They're 304th in turnover percentage forcing turnovers. But they don't turn it over. So you are, like, literally the weaknesses Mm -hmm. of Memphis match up perfectly with the weaknesses of Charlotte. So... Yeah, you know, one of the things has to give, um, so it could be could go the other way. But if you if just on paper, this is a very good matchup for Memphis.
1: Yeah, it is, and and they've had a couple of good matchups on paper that didn't go their way, but tonight will dictate a lot. Does not tonight will dictate what we see on Sunday. Will we see the frenzied Tigers basketball following at FedEx Forum when Florida Atlantic comes to town? Which was what. The anticipation was all year long when we started to think ahead to conference play. Those two Florida-Atlantic matchups in the regular season. Tonight, I'm not going to say that that dictates everything for fans wanting to go to the game or not. But I think a win tonight, a good performance tonight. Sunday, I know they've sold a number of tickets, uh, single-game tickets, as Jeff Crane told us yesterday. And then, who knows? If they could put it together... The at-large is out of the question. Even five straight wins, including two over Florida Atlantic, I think that ship has sailed. You think that ship has sailed. Most people believe so, right? So it has to be gaining the momentum to go into the conference tournament and to win those games and to get the AQ. That's going to be the only chance. So have they learned their lesson or will the crap that we've seen out of the last nine games, losing six of them, continue tonight against Charlotte because again, that will dictate a lot what we see and what the atmosphere will be like Sunday.
2: I again, I mean, <laughs> the idea that a game at home against Charlotte is like can they can they pull off a win against Charlotte? I at know home it sounds is, stupid, is but so it is what it is. It's what it's become. That is um, bizarre I mean that, I mean they, the fact that they might not get the, a, the double buy in the conference tournament is it's insane. Oh, it's insane. Like, how, that, about that's you, how about like, you yesterday? literally trying to finish in the top four of this conference and if they can't pull that off to get the double buy, I mean that is like that's, that is literally insane. How about you saying yesterday?
1: You talked about something ludicrous, but you were on point. That they would have a they have a better chance in your mind to go winless the next five than they do unbeaten the next five.
2: I? Yeah, winless. Well, well, yeah. I mean, right now, I mean, not that, again, I don't even think Florida Atlantic's really that good. But like, the idea of beating Ford Atlantic twice seems ludicrous because every time now when I say that, I'm waiting for ludicrous to <laughs> pop up in studio. <laughs> Where's ludicrous when you need him? Where's Jake from State Farm when you need him?
1: Well, this whole thing has been ludicrous, seriously, with this with this team. But again, um, I'll be curious to see. I'll be on the call tonight. What Tigers team comes out after everything that was said by not only coach but the star player David Jones? The great practice they supposedly had on Monday. What will be their response,
2: folks? Guys out there, you're thinking about popping the question, thinking about uh, getting engaged, and you need that perfect ring. Well. I know the place to go. That would be Genesis Diamonds at Poplar and Perkins Extended. Get a world-class ring that she's going to love. She's going to be proud to wear for the rest of your relationship, for the rest of your life. And these are the top designers. We're talking about top designers. There's a few out there. The women know all about them. You probably don't have any clue about who they are, but they're there. And at Genesis Diamonds, they have them. And in many cases, they're the only jewelry store in town that has those top designers. We're talking about the top line, top of the top that you can imagine. Plus, at Genesis Diamonds, you're going to get them at a great price. That's the great part about it because the diamonds, the diamonds they bring in there, direct importer pricing, taking out the middleman, so they get unbelievable prices on those diamonds over there at Genesis Diamonds. Uh, So go check them out. When you're thinking about getting engaged, they've got a great staff to help you. Not there to pressure you into buying something more expensive because they're not working on commission. They're there to educate you what you're looking at, what you're looking for when it comes to the ring, when it comes to the diamond, all of those things. They've got quality designer rings for under $2,000 at Genesis Diamonds. It's not about price. It's about the craftsmanship, the quality, the detail, the individuality. That's what you'll find. Genesis Diamonds, Poplar and Perkins Extended.
1: When we come back, final segment in hour one, get to some NBA talk, including good news for a former Memphis Tiger and the J.J. Reddick-Doc Rivers feud, although kind of a one-sided feud, although Austin Rivers, Doc Rivers' son, came to his rescue yesterday. We'll go over that, what that's all about when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.
0: Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11 here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy.
1: So here will be our second Mike Miller reference of the first hour of this show. We were talking about his son at Creighton earlier. Mike Miller represents one Lester Quinonez, the former Memphis Tiger. And great news for Lester yesterday as it was uh, announced that he will have uh, his two-way deal with the Warriors converted to a standard contract. Wow. Good for him.
2: Yeah, good. Absolutely good for him. He's been getting minutes with them, um, even on the two-way deal. So Getting that converted over to a regular deal, that's, uh, that's, that's absolutely fantastic for Lester. He's, he's done a great job. Um, it was great in the G League um, and getting that opportunity up with them and showing the ability to produce at the NBA level. Yeah, as you said yesterday, that 21 team for the Memphis Tigers, Jalen Duren,
1: Josh Minot, Lester Quinonez, Amani Bates, all in the NBA, not to mention DeAndre Williams, and Landers Nolly, who's terrific in the G League. By the way, is is Alo still playing in the G League, or I know he had a tryout.
2: With I, don't, the, I don't think he ever played in the. I don't think he ever got on. <laughs> I'm not sure if he ever played in the G League.
1: He had a G League tryout, didn't he? With the Greensboro, what are they? The Swarm.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's. But on I didn't there. see I him on the roster. I don't think so he's on their team.
1: Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. But the point is that Tigers team was loaded. That won the one NCAA tournament game. All right, from the NBA. Return to action tomorrow. Grizzlies return on Friday as they will play host to the L.A. Clippers. So here are the odds I'm looking at from, um, this is from, looks like, Fanduel. trying to move this thing closer to me. All right, so here are the uh, odds for teams to win the NBA title. As you would imagine, the Boston Celtics, they are the favorite at plus 260, Denver, the defending champions, at plus 440. The Clippers at plus 550 or third. The Bucks at plus 600 or fourth. And then you get into some uh, really good payoffs. Suns plus 1,400. Knicks plus 1,800. Cavs plus 2,200. Thunder plus 2,200. Timberwolves plus 2,400. On and on and on. Sixers are plus 3,000 because of the uncertainty of Joel Embiid. As much as Boston has the team to win it, I don't think they're going to win it. Right now, who would you pick to win the NBA title? Boston. You still will? Yes. I just think when it comes down to it, they will fail. I don't know why. I think that, but I do. Do you think that Porzingis, the addition of Porzingis, has made a big difference for that team?
2: Uh, not necessarily a big difference. I mean, they didn't need a big difference. They've been really, really close as it is. And um, yeah, I just, I mean, I just think they're the best team in the league. Who do you think
1: the best team in the West is?
2: Uh, That's, I I don't know because I don't trust James Harden in the postseason. So I'm not ever going to trust. So I'm not going to trust the Clippers. Denver obviously is still really, really good. Um, And, you know, I and I just don't know. Is Oklahoma City ready? You know, is Minnesota ready? I don't know. I trust Oklahoma City. I think probably a little bit more than I trust Minnesota. How
1: about the Suns?
2: Um, Suns, I just don't think will be healthy when it comes down to it. But um, right I, now, if I was picking a team yeah. to come out, I would probably pick Denver right now.
1: So right now, you would have Denver, Boston, of course. Boston failed last year as Miami went to the finals and Denver won that game. Zach, right now, I gave you the odds. Who would you pick in the NBA Finals?
0: Uh, Denver and Boston.
1: Okay. See, I don't think it's going to be... It's In my opinion, Denver would be the pick. In the East, Boston seems like the logical pick. The Bucks. what's going on the, with the Bucks and Doc Rivers? The Knicks... They're battling injuries right now, but a healthy Knicks team—do they have enough to beat Boston? I don't know. But OG Ananobi and his acquisition—if you got a help, healthy Mitchell Robinson, you get a healthy uh, Julius Randle. The Cavaliers really, really good. But the whole Embiid uncertainty. Miami's plus forty-two hundred. Can they make a run again? I don't think so. Boston seems to be the odds-on favorite. I think it would probably be chalk, Boston and Denver. But I would take the Denver every day of the week against Boston in an NBA final. All right, speaking of Doc Rivers, it hasn't gone well since he took over the Milwaukee Bucks. It'll probably change because Milwaukee's that talented, but J.J. Redick, who now becomes the lead analyst for the ESPN games, ABC games, I guess, taking over Doc Rivers' job. J.J. Redick had already been an analyst with ESPN, was incredibly critical of Doc Rivers. He had played for Doc Rivers And said, in essence, he always makes excuses. Doc already saying how hard it was to take over and how hard it is to take over a team mid-season. He had a lot of support from other players, including former players like Rasheed Wallace and then others that have come to the rescue of Doc Rivers, including his son, as expected, Austin Rivers. It's interesting because Reddick's replacing Doc. Who knows if they'll have a call of a Milwaukee game, but J.J. Reddick... I don't know if that's what you want to blurt out as you become now a game analyst. It's one thing if you're on the just the talk shows on ESPN with your take, but to to do that now as becoming the lead analyst when you may very well have to call a game from Milwaukee, it's kind of a weird thing. What do you say?
2: I had no idea that J.J. Redick had this uh, beef with uh, Doc Rivers i it's interesting i'm I'm sure there's a good chance that that crew that number one crew with breen and reddick and and Doris Burke will have a milwaukee call at some point during the postseason um or during the regular season as well um I don't know it's just I had no idea that there was this this Built a, JJ Redick should be appreciative of the fact that he got the doc, got the Milwaukee job because it created the spot for him on that crew so he Milwaukee's should be happy that doc next got the job.
0: Game that is on ESPN is Wednesday, and it's against the Grizzlies. So I don't know they they might flex that out next Wednesday. This Wednesday, uh, April the third. Excuse me. Oh, April the third. April. Okay. It's in April, but they they probably yeah, that one flex that, that one probably
2: get yeah take it off by then. Unfortunately, although they did let this last one. They did keep the last one on national television where the Grizzlies beat them somehow. But uh but yeah, but just because that was audio spin, that does not mean it's gonna be the number one crew. I just think the timing's
1: weird. Again, he just gets that gig as an analyst. You're not gonna be that critical of things when you're sitting with Doris Burke and Mike Breen. You're going to be more critical when you are in the studio shows, you know, the Stephen A. Smiths of the world, the Kendrick Perkins of the world. So it's really strange that now he gets his new gig and he comes out guns firing on his displeasure um, of of the way Doc Rivers has um, said, has talked about jobs in the past and has talked about this particular job taking over, making excuses. But again, it is what it is. It's caused a uh, kind of a little fervor going on in the NBA, but also some ammunition for talk radio.
2: This time of our program brought to you each and every day by the folks at East Memphis Ace Hardware, corner of White Station and Quince. That's where East Memphis Ace Hardware is located. And that's the place to go for all those supplies for all your projects around the house. Whether it be tools, whether it be whatever it is that you need to get done, the, the supplies to get it done. Maybe it's some paint from their great Benjamin Moore paint selection. Whatever it is that you're looking for, they've got it for you. And a wonderful staff to help you find exactly what it is you need to get that project done. Plus, of course... They're a platinum dealer of the Big Green Egg, which is the best grill there is out there. Best grill there is. Like, it's not even close. It's, I don't even know where. It it would be like the all-star versus like, Double A. All the other grills are like double A. The Big Green Egg is like the MVP of the league. That's the separation. We are talking about Big Green. The last grill you'll ever need to buy. They've got all the different eggs, all the different sizes, all the different egg accessories as well over there at East Memphis Ace Hardware. And again, a knowledgeable staff to answer any questions you might have if you're looking for that grill as we start getting into the spring and the perfect grilling season. Go see them East Memphis Ace Hardware corner of White Station and Quince.
1: Coming up next, we open up hour two with Tigers assistant basketball coach Andy Borman. You're tuned into Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.